Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast. I'm Abe Beals and I'm here with my brother Justin Beals and this is D&D's Nuts because D&D is nuts. Yes. It's sometimes difficult to grasp. It's nucking butts. It's nucking butts. Yes. That's the new slogan, by the way. Yeah, I think Wizards just approved that slogan. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yes, uh, this is uh, episode two. Uh, We have just started a series discussing the classes in D&D 5th edition. Yeah. And we're going in order, but... uh, We're continuing our class guides. Correct, correct. And uh, we've discussed Barbarian already. The second class is Bard. Yes. All right. So, things you need to know about Bards are they're uh, magical musicians. They they, uh, are spellcasters that use music as their form of spellcasting. And uh, we would describe them as uh, a, a, a party uh, healer. I'd say like a healer. Not as good as a cleric, though, but uh, definitely has more support than a cleric would have. Um, a right. lot of... Uh, Teamwork abilities. Yeah. Team, yeah. There's a little bit of battlefield control. Yes. Um, not many blasty things happening, but uh, definitely healer and support are probably its two main roles. And there's really kind of like two ways you can take it, only. Uh, there was, I, I misspoke, there was only kind of like two paths you could choose. One was more battle-focused, one was more uh, knowledge-based and yeah. skill-based. And those are the ones in the player handbook, they're the ones that are like adventurally legal. Right, and the published uh, rules. Uh, and uh, when Sword Coast Adventures Guide came out, uh, there, was, there was just more like background stories. Yeah, so the the Sword Coast Adventure Guide, it's also called the Skag sometimes. Um, in the Skag, there were different colleges released, but they were basically the same colleges, but just refluffed <laughs> with different, like, lore and stuff like that. Yeah. So basically, we're still choosing between the College of Valor and the College of Lore. Right. Um, right, but uh, we've actually uh, uh, released this at a opportune time, because uh, two... Two new uh, uh, subclasses have been released for the Bard. Yeah, so the Unearthed Arcana, if you guys know anything about that. Right, if you subscribe to that on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, um, sometimes Wizards comes out with things that they're playtesting or that they just want to put out there but not necessarily make Adventure League legal or anything. They kind of just convert their own things that they think are cool ideas into classes that they might publish in the future. So, uh, there are two other colleges that just came out, like, yesterday? Two days ago? Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. Something really like recently. That, something like that, yeah. Um, and it's the College of S- S- Swords? The College of Swords right. and the College of Satire. That's right. So, um, we'll also be talking about those, so that's cool. Right. Um, hopefully we see those published in a book coming up. I hear they're, uh, gonna start announcing a new book come, I think, later this month. And then hopefully they'll release it by March. But it might be adventure. It might be not adventure path. But hopefully we get something this year with uh, new class options because that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. That is exciting. Um, that's really cool. And it's pretty interesting that we were just talking about how barbarian. We wanted there to be like a barbarian bard. Yes. And uh, with the release of the the College of the Sword, we kind of get that. A little bit, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll be talking about that in a second. But first, let's just cover everything that you need to know about the Bard. Okay, so, um, Bards, they have uh, more hit points than a wizard. They're the same as cleric and 
Druid. They got like so the, D, the D8. A, it's a D8. It's yeah. D8. It's a, yeah, it's pretty standard. It's a uh, nice amount. They got the Dex and Charisma saving throws. And uh, what I didn't mention before, because I was thinking more about their magical aspects, is the main... Actually, like I said, that healer and support are their main roles. To be honest, I think their main role, usually, mm-hmm. is the party face. Because they usually have the highest charisma, mm. and they mm. have the expertise thing that wait, a wait, lot wait, of people wait, wait. put in a persuasion. Charisma, uh, party face, I'm not... Okay. I haven't heard what, what is it. Okay, so basically, if uh, you want to talk your way out of things, mm. if your party needs someone to talk to someone, you say, that, hey, party face. Happen. That happens all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, Bard is great for that. If you have, like, other charisma-based casters can be good for that, like Warlock and Sorcerer, mm. but um, maybe even Paladin sometimes. Right. But Bard is honestly going to be better than them because they have the expertise thing that exactly. rogues have. But usually yeah. they put it in something like Persuasion, something that helps them be the party face more. Right, whereas Rogue would put it in, like, Acrobatics yeah. or something like that. Yeah, usually something more combat or... Or Dexterous, dexterous face. yeah. Definitely. Very cool, very cool. So, uh, party face, uh, kind of like the role-playing leader of the party. Yes. So, if you want to play a bard, I would recommend, like, you try to be outgoing, you know? You try to, like, um, one of the rules that we had at one of our tables was, uh, there's a cantrip. Very common in bards, I think bard is the only one that gets it, hmm. is uh, vicious mockery. Uh-huh. And in the text of the spell, it says that you basically insult your enemy and it does like psychic damage to them because of how good of an insult it was (laughs) so uh we used to play it that you have to actually insult like at the table come up with an insult to insult the enemy that's awesome so um it could it can be a really fun class if you play it like certain ways it's great that's great all right so when you're building a bard you want to focus your uh your stats into charisma and dexterity which one priority uh, you want to do charisma because that's your casting stat. Um, some bards may want to go dexterity because uh, College of Valor uh, is more combat focused, and um, there is one build that I'll talk about later where they actually get more attacks than any other class at tenth level. So what? I'll tell you that even more than the fighter. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I mean, a fighter has action surge, but still, it's really good. Interesting. Um, Interesting. And it's pretty consistent, too, so... Alright, alright. Let's learn from our mistakes and just start at level one. Yes. And just go through what a bard gets from the beginning to the end. And right at first level, I know you get bardic inspiration. Yes. And the ability to cast spells. Yeah, so you get two cantrips, which, uh, if you don't know what cantrips are, if you've never played a spellcaster, they're uh, spells you can use at will. You can use them as many times as you want. Okay. So, uh, cantrips in this game are a lot better than previous editions. They uh, they act more like at-will powers in 4th edition if you play Hold that. on, hold on. Uh, you're saying uh, you can cast them whenever you want, as though other spells you can't cast whenever you want. I think it's important to note that this differs from 4th edition. Other spells uh, consume spell slots. Yes. You can't cast any other spell... Multiple times per day, yes. or infinite amount of times per day. Yeah. So uh, in fifth edition, you have something called spell slots. So um, at first level, you only have two spell slots. Mm. That means you have two, and they're first level. So you have two spells of first level to use through the day. So um, 
unless you're going to be using your cantrips a lot, you aren't going to be using that much magic at first level. Makes uh, sense, makes sense. Yeah, so you want to... I mean, it's definitely strong to focus as an all-caster, mm-hmm. but especially at lower levels, you're going to exhaust your resources pretty quickly. If there's five encounters in a day and you use up both of your spells in the first encounter, then you're going to be doing a lot of cantrips for the rest of the day. <laughs> you kind of got to gotta balance it out and make sure that you know when to use your spells and use them at the opportune moment, moments. Okay, all right. Um, so you get uh, the ability to cast spells. Uh, how does that how does that work for bards? Uh, do you just I no 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 I know this. Uh, you learn them, you learn them, and you know them. Whereas uh, other classes, like sometimes they have to choose their spells every day. You. Mm-hmm know a certain amount of spells yeah i mean like the paladin and i think the cleric also they uh they basically get to choose from the entire spell list their <laughs> their entire spell list every single day they can just pick and choose whatever thing they want right. the wizard has the spell book where he can choose which spells to prepare out of it um the bard has a spells known column right on their table where it shows you how many spells you know and you know that many spells and you can use them throughout the day like, let's say you know Magic Missile is one of your spells, and you have four spell slots. You can use all four of your spell slots to cast Magic Missile, because it's one of your spells known. Instead of, like, if a wizard prepared Magic Missile, then he'd only be able to... Wait, maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe that was in Pathfinder. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. so actually, yeah, so you can... Basically, with these spells known, you can uh, cast whatever spell you know... As many times as spell slots that you have. Right. So, um... So, uh... For, for the bard, the spellcasting modifier that you're going to be using is charisma. Which is why bard, a lot of the time, gets put into the party face role because he has a high charisma because he needs a high charisma to cast his spells. Makes sense. Um, and it makes sense from the lore perspective, too, because, like, you want a charismatic musician, you know? Musicians are usually charismatic. Yes. And if they aren't, they don't have much magic, right? You don't have that uh, magic that you're watching them. A you know? magic quality. Yeah, exactly. I see, I see what you did there. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Cool. So, uh, yes, I believe how the wizard uh, works is uh, he chooses his spells, what he can prepare that day, but then he can use it multiple times. Yeah. Um, in similar way that a, a, a paladin does, but the paladin draws on the entire spell divine list. spell list. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, we're getting off topic. Uh, <laughs> um, the other thing is bardic inspiration, yes. and this is this is kind of uh, the bard stereotype. It's kind of like their staple. It's what bards have always been known for. They perform a musical piece, either speaking or with rhythm and uh, movements. Or playing on an instrument, and they inspire their uh, their party members, their companions, their allies to uh, perform better. So at first level, you get a D six, right? Yeah. So it starts with a D six. So you hand someone a six sided die and say, "Look, anytime you roll a D twenty, basically, you can roll this and add to that number." 
Yeah, I mean, it's um, ability checks, attack rules, or saving throws that it makes. Exactly. So, um, yeah, even, I think initiative is also an ability check, right, so you can exactly. add it to your initiative, you mm-hmm. could add it to a grappling check, you could add it to an attack rule, you could add it to a saving throw. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you can add it to. The only thing you can't really add it to is uh, damage. And, um... And, like, I guess anything that uh, your DM would make you roll a d24 as, like, a percentage type of thing. Right. Probably can't add it to that unless your DM lets you. You know, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah. Uh, But this effect only lasts for ten minutes, but it can be used multiple times, right? Uh, so once you use the dice, it's lost. Oh, right. The the character that's inspired is lost. So, um... I think you get a number of Bardic Inspirations dice equal to your charisma to hand out for the day. At level one, so like at level one, if you have a three charisma modifier, then you have three Bardic Inspiration dice to hand out until you finish a long rest. So um, basically, you're gonna throughout the day you're gonna decide when to hand out these Bardic Inspiration. You probably want to do it before like a big fight things like that, because if or, ten minutes yeah. pass, then it just gets wasted, and right. you wasted one of your three uses for the day, and it's kind of lame. Yeah. Um, so you want to make sure to time these things correctly, and it's it kind of sucks to use it in the middle of a fight, because, well, I mean, it's a bonus action. So you could use it in the middle of a fight if you, if you had nothing else to do with your bonus action. Right. And at low levels, that's probably the case, so you should be fine, but at higher levels, you... You'll have more experience playing a bard, and you should be able to tell when, like, is a proper time to hand out bardic inspiration. Um, my advice is right before the big bad enemy guy. Right, the yeah. boss. Yeah. Boss battles. It could be a make it or break it type of deal at that point. Yeah. So, um, so that's what they get right at level one. They have two cantrips, four spells known. Two first level spell slots. Then at level two, they get uh, this thing called Song of Rest. And that's whenever you take a short rest and uh, one of your allies spends one of their hit dice, which, um, let me explain, I guess, what that is if you don't play with that, is uh, when you have a short rest in the rules, uh, you can roll one of your hit dice during a short rest to heal yourself. So let's say you're level three, you should have three hit dice, um, depending right. on, so, and it goes based off of your hit point dice. So like if, like I talked about with the bard, they have a D8, like a fighter has a D10, a barbarian has a D12. So when you may when you are taking a short rest, you get to roll that dice, whatever hit dice that you have. Right? Yeah, if you want to heal yourself, you can spend one of your hit dice, basically just. Uh, like, if you have three hit dice, now you have two hit dice left for the day to heal yourself. Right. You can spend one of your hit dice, roll it. I think you add your constitution modifier. That might be a house rule I played with, but I'm pretty sure you add it. And uh, you heal that amount of hit points. So, um, let right. me get back to what the bard does, is whenever someone spends a hit dice during a short rest, they get to add an extra d6 to the dice. Nice. So, if you're rolling a d8 for your hit points... Then you also get a plus a d6 for your hit points. It's just extra healing yeah. while you're resting in that uh, in that space. Uh, it allows like the cleric the cleric might not have to spend those heal slots 
Exactly. Healing everybody. Yeah. Uh, and they also get a jack of all trades at second level, and that allows you to add half your proficiency to all of your skills. Yeah, so um, you get a lot of proficiencies as a bard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you can choose between whatever you want. Like, it, it says uh, most classes have, like, a list of skills to choose from under skills, proficiency. Right, right. And it Bard just... literally just says choose any three. <laughs> exactly. So it's, you can, it's the only class that does that. Yeah, you can just be good at whatever you want. Yeah. And Jack of All Trades makes it so that any one of the ones that you aren't proficient in, the ones that you didn't put a check mark next to mm-hmm, on your character mm-hmm. sheet... That still gets half of your proficiency bonus. <laughs> yeah. So if your proficiency bonus is two, you can add a plus one to everything else. Yeah. And that end game, which should be a plus six, so plus three to everything else. And you might want to talk about this with your DM, but it says you can add half your proficiency bonus to any ability checks. And initiative is technically an ability check, so you should be able to add that to initiative. But run that by your DM first, because some rules is interpretive things at tables are a little different so um. yes yes um before we go further uh i'd like to mention that the uh, inspiration die uh as you level up the inspiration die goes up mm-hmm. so in uh in tiers it goes up from a d6 to a d8 and then to a d10 and then to a d12 i believe as the highest and the same thing goes for the song of rest it grows as you grow so uh yeah you'll be seeing that in a couple of different features across the uh, class system um at third level there it's the it's the level to choose your path it usually is around third or second level you choose your path yeah and uh with bard we already talked about they have two paths right and that's college of lore Mm -hmm. and college of valor correct and uh, two uh, tentative paths that we'll also discuss. But we're going to breeze past that and continue on with just what you get normally from being a bard. Because Player there's. Handbook, yeah. Right. We'll. Uh, yeah. So, also at third level, before we get into the colleges, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. get to choose two skill proficiencies that you get expertise in. So, you get to double your proficiency bonus oh, 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 for two skills. Double. Um. Oh, so at first level that's going to be a plus four to two skills. Well, at yeah, third level, at third when, level we, when you, when get, you it, get it, it's going to be a plus four to two skills, and that's that's going to change the game. Yeah, and at fifth three. level, so two light lit levels after that, it becomes a plus six. To Are you two serious? So um, let me just say this right now: is that <laughs> bards and rogues make the best grapplers because at Grappling is based off of strength and athletics. So if you take expertise uh, in athletics, then you're going to be pretty hard to beat at grappling. All Even right. if you don't have that high of a strength. I mean, if you have a plus six when someone else has a plus three, then they need a three modifier on top of you just to match you, you know? That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Would you have to build the rogue into a strength-based rogue almost? Um, it may be good. Sometimes, like, uh, I think we talked about last session, just briefly nicked on it, that sometimes, like, a barbarian could take, like, a level into Rogue yeah. and get expertise that way. Yes. And then he could Ooh. be really good at grappling there. Really good at grappling, So expertise yeah. is great for grappling, and it's great for other things, too. I mean, persuasion, 
perception. That's if you want to be uh, really good at finding things, then like investigation, which is good. Yeah, because some DMs, you know, hide you know hidden treasures in the room. Exactly. Or they don't tell you right away. You should probably check this dead body or whatever. Yeah. A good perception would be good. And also, uh, there's a thing called passive perception in this game, which includes your perception thing, uh, your score straight into this passive attribute. And so the DM usually can tell you, oh, you notice this right away. Yeah, I mean, if you have like a, a 22 passive perception, which I've seen it get that high, <laughs> gets ridiculous, especially if you're mixing things like expertise and observant in the middle, right. in the mix. You're going to um, notice everything. Yeah, I mean, the DM, not all DMs do this, but the DM is supposed to check the passive perception score to like a perception DC and let you know if you see things right off the bat. And if you have a really high passive perception, you notice a lot of things. Or you're supposed to. Right. Um, so, that's what you get. Let's get into these colleges. Let's get into the colleges? Yeah. Uh, there's some things that you get straight from, uh, whatchamacallit, right? From uh, Just from Bard. Oh, yeah, so, so should, let's not, okay, so let's, let's continue. Not, let's not skip over level four. Yeah, so we'll, uh, instead of going in level three into the college breakdown, let's just... Take the rest of Bard. There's only like four more things. So uh, you get ability score improvements at the normal rate. So I, I, it's a little sped up actually. It's more uh, ability scores than the barbarian gets. It's at eighth, tenth, twelfth, right? Fourth, eighth, twelfth. No, every four levels. No, you were right. Yeah, it's the regular progression. Yeah, rogue. I think I believe rogue and fighter are the only ones that get accelerated ability score increases. That makes sense. So that if you want to, if you want to have a lot of ability score increases, or if your DM's playing with feats, if you want to have a lot of feats, then rogue and fighter would be good for that. Cool. Um, so it's normal progression there. Uh, font. Of, so at fifth level, you get something called font of inspiration. And uh, that means that you ex- you know how we were talking about bardic inspiration and that you only get a number of your charisma until a long rest? Right, a long rest. So Once this, per day, basically. Yeah, so you're only going to have, let's say you have a modifier of three, then you only have three dice to use all day. Mm-hmm. Font of Inspiration makes it so that you regain those on a short rest as well. So instead of having three to use all day... If you take one or two short rests, it turns into six or nine. So that's that's actually really great because it makes it so that the bard has more longevity throughout the day. Right, exactly. At fifth level, uh, bardic inspiration doesn't become... It isn't such a uh, uh, rare resource, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at sixth level, you get something called a uh, counter charm. And this is just kind of a uh, an ability to... Uh, uh, boost your allies' um, ability to refrain from getting frightened or charmed. So for one round, uh, creatures that are friendly towards you and within 30 feet have advantage on the saving throws against the frightened or charmed. Yeah, it's um, it's a little bit circumstantial because you have to use it as an action on your turn and basically assume that the enemy is going to try to frighten or charm your allies. It comes really in handy when you need it, but you probably aren't going to need it that often. Yeah. Um, yeah. If 
if it's like the boss and there's just like waves of like this terrifying energy pulsing off of them, yeah, and it's then, really wrecking your party, then it's probably a good idea to use this because right. it gives everyone advantage within thirty feet of you. But you won't be using this like every single session, I doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, the biggest thing and one of the coolest things about Bard is the next part. At level 10, you get magical secrets. Okay. And this is... You want to tell us the trick about this, man? Okay, so... Um, I'll, I'll tell the breakdown. You tell the trick. Okay. The breakdown is basically uh, you choose two spells from any class, including this one. It has to be from a level of which you can already cast... But it's from any other spell list. So that's basically it. You just know these two spells from any other spell list. Yes. At level 10. So it lets you pick and choose from other casting classes spell lists. So you could take a wizard spell that you want, or a warlock spell that you want, or a cleric or druid spell that you want. But the the trick is, Mm -hmm. you can also take a paladin or ranger spell. Uh Uh-huh. And it's supposed to be of a spell level you can cast. Well, at 10th level... You can cast 5th level spells. 10th level is the level you get magical secrets. You can The max is 5th level. It's not the highest of spells that you can go. Yeah, but it is the highest of spells that Paladin can go. Uh-huh. And Paladin has... Um, and Ranger. Ranger, I believe it's 5th yeah, yeah. or 4th level. No, it's 5th it? level. It's 5th level? Well, yeah. yeah, so you can get the highest level of spells for the Paladin and Ranger class... And they have pretty unique spells. Yeah, one of them is a ranger spell called Conjure Volley. And allows you to do about 16 d6 worth of damage. Half bludgeoning, half uh, piercing or something like that. It, it, you can't get higher amount at that level. Yeah, and the other one is uh, Swift Quiver. If you get Swift Quiver, it's from the ranger spell list. It's a 5th level spell. But what it does is you cast it. And then on a bonus action, for each of your following turns for, I believe, the next minute, uh, you can launch two arrows. So if you take a Valor Bard, you get the extra attack. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so that's two attacks. So though. that's two attacks. And then you have the bonus action attack, or you have the bonus action from Swift Quiver to launch two more attacks. So you're launching four arrows out. Now, this only gets really good... When you factor in Sharpshooter, I believe it's Sharpshooter, it lets you uh, subtract 5 from your attack roll to plus 10 damage. So basically you have 4 opportunities to deal whatever your normal damage is, plus 10 on top of it. So that's like an extra 40 damage just from the feat itself. So uh, Swift Quiver plus Sharpshooter equals Hordes of Damage at 10th level. From a bard, no less. I mean, hmm. you have you have fifth level spell slots hmm. too. You're doing this much damage just from not using your resources, <laughs> exactly. You know, except for one fifth level spell slot. You know, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and paladin, they have all the smites like banishing smite, destructive smite. You know, they even get raised dead. You know. Yeah, uh, I, I think bard gets that too. Uh, but destructive wave uh, is another one that does like d ten d six. Yeah, and uh, knocks everyone prone. Yeah, and um, you don't only get Magical Secrets at 10th level. You also Uh get it, um, I believe, at 14th and 18th level. Yes, that's true. So you can choose more spells as you level up. Like if you want 
uh, a high level wizard spell when you hit 14 or you want like wish or I'm not sure if Bard gets wish now. No, 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 no. Yeah, so if you want wish at 18th level then you should definitely pick that up. Definitely. Um, so yeah, Magical Secrets is probably one of the greatest features of Bard mm-hmm. because it's so it's so versatile. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want with it. You can pick any two spells that's ever been released for any class. I mean... Even thinking ahead for, like, new classes and stuff like that, if there are new classes coming out, new spellcasters, you can pick and choose from their spell list, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, that, it, that's a good point. It's yeah. great. It's it says great any feature. other spell... Yeah, it's good. It's very good. Uh, I would... I, I just want to say that uh, once you get that 18th level spell, I would just stop playing Bard. I would switch <laughs> into any class because the only thing you get next is at 10th level... At during your, I mean, at twentieth level during your initiative uh, check, you if you don't already have any inspiration die, you gain one back. So it kind of just makes your longevity a bit more by one by one dice. <laughs> uh, it's not a very great capstone, like not a very great twentieth level ability. Yeah, like a twentieth level druid. Gets to wild shape infinite amount of times. <laughs> I feel like Bard should have gotten infinite inf- inspiration right. if Druid could do that. Exactly. It's like the the Bard's like, oh, I get one inspiration dice per battle, and the Druid's like, I'm a wolf. I'm a sheep. I'm a I'm a panther. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's kind of not a good reward, but um, but I but... mean, you aren't often going to get to 20th level and if you do get to 20th level it's not often that you play more than one or two sessions I hope and I pray that you guys get well beyond 20th level <laughs> I pray to God that you do yeah. I hope I hope you do but it is not often you know a lot of campaigns are geared towards low level campaigns and adventures yeah, and a lot of the published ones end at like 15th or 17th level exactly yeah all right so, we've danced around the topic enough, I think? Yeah, let's get into these colleges, right? boom ba da boom Alright, Bard Colleges. College of Lore. Let's start there. Yes. Um, so, right as you... Alright, you choose your college at third level. So, I like to think this, like, you know, uh, when you are third level, you get to choose... What school you're going into? You know? you, you <laughs> like go, you're oh. 18, just graduated high school. <laughs> now you're gonna choose your college. Yeah. Right? And the one of lore is all like super studies, smarts. Like this is basically the Harvard. Yeah. And Harvard. honestly, um, unless you're gonna go with the swift quiver, like four times attack, mm-hmm. sharpshooter barn, mm-hmm. I would recommend College of Lore because I think it's a little bit better. Like the things that you get. Are a little bit better, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You, you'll see, you'll see. So let's let's start covering. So it. right, right at, off the bat, right at third level, you get three bonus proficiencies. <laughs> you just pick three more skills that you're good at. I mean, not like you're good enough at, at enough things. There's only a max of like almost like I want to say twelve skills. Yeah, I want to <laughs> say twelve skills. Yeah. You get you get two from your background uh-huh. you get three from bard uh-huh. and now we get three more from this see so you're proficient in uh two-thirds of it right and yeah. everything you're not proficient in you're kind of you're you're the, pretty good at it you're you're jack jack all trades. Trades. you know yeah. exactly so college of war already off the bat uh is proving its worth the next part is like really overpowered though 
Next part is gonna make your DM hate you. <laughs> Yay! Because yeah. whenever they roll a dice, you're gonna be like, "What did you roll?" Because <laughs> this next part. Okay, so um, when a creature that you can see within sixty feet of you makes an attack roll, ability check, or damage roll, so that's important. Damage is not usually something that you can affect with bardic inspiration, right? But right, now right. you can do it with creatures. You um, can expend one use of your inspiration. To roll your bardic inspiration die and subtract that number from your DM's roll. So you can, and you can do this after the creature makes its roll, but before the DM determines whether the attack roll succeeds or ability check succeeds or fails. Right. So, so basically, so if if he was like, okay, I rolled, it hit your AC, I'm rolling my damage. And you take so and so HP. You can't now. All of <laughs> you a can't sudden. be like, yeah. If it's like, oh yeah, I rolled a like, basically. <laughs> so, I roll. I rolled. I rolled an eighteen. That's a. That's like a twenty-seven. It hits your AC. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do thirty points of damage. Yeah. You can't go back and be like, wait. <laughs> wait. You wait, have to. Lord. When he says like, "I rolled an 18 you right. gotta be like, "Wait." Yeah. Basically, now I'm gonna change it. Basically, it's just like telling you be on top of it. Don't try to cheat or like retroactively change the game. It's not fun for anyone. Yeah. You know. It's not. Well, fun it's for not fun. Too. It's not fun for your DM specifically. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So basically. With this feature, you're going to be asking your DM what they roll a lot. Yeah. So they roll? might want to roll in the open. I, you'll have to talk. To be honest, I would want to talk to my DM before I took this path because I wouldn't want him getting pissed off at me. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> it is kind of like something you have to work with them so that you know what they're rolling so that you can use your feature correctly. Right. Because if they're just like, if they're rolling and they're like, Alright, that hit and it did this much damage without even telling you what they were rolling for or who they were attacking, then it would be really frustrating for you because Correct. you can't use your feature correctly. Right. So you want to talk to them about it. Um, but the one caveat to this thing, it's called cutting words, is that uh, it, the creature's immune if it can't hear you or if it's immune to being charmed. Mm, that's, so. That is important. So, uh, if it can't hear you, or if it can't be charmed, you can't use this feature. Wait a second, isn't there a race that's immune being charmed? Is there? Is Elf one of them? I think Elves are immune to... Let me check that out. ...being charmed, the charmed condition. Yeah, I'll check that out. Alright, and while you check that out, we'll take a short break. Checked it out. Elves are not immune to being charmed, but they do have advantage on saving throws against being charmed. However, cutting words doesn't allow a save, so they'd be just as screwed as anyone else. So, um, they aren't immune, so cutting words affects them. You can just roll your inspiration die and make their uh, ability check, attack, or damage roll lower. Um, Sadly, this doesn't work for saves. It would be cool if it worked for saves. Um, but you also have to spend your reaction to use this. So you can't use it multiple times in the same round. And you can't take an opportunity attack if you do use this. Right. So, um, so, so there's that. So yes, once again, uh, cutting words. 
Uh, I would I would say if you're a bard and you're choosing the College of Lore, um, I would say save your inspiration die for yourself. Don't really pass it out that much. Maybe yeah. pass it out to your tank or your main dam- damage dealer, mm-hmm. probably your tank, and but keep most of them for yourself and then just use it whenever the boss attacks. Yeah, whenever um, the DM says the boss is attacking, just use it. Yeah, because it's uh, actually. I've been reading up on it because I've been playing a wizard, and I uh, read, I don't know if you've seen it or not, Treant Monk's Guide to the Wizard Being a Wizard, and uh, I've been learning that in this edition especially, it's better for um, even a healer, it's better to prevent damage from happening than to try to heal it. You can prevent damage faster than you can heal it in this edition. Because mm-hmm. healing is so slow because there aren't that many spells that heal that much HP. So, um, if you can prevent an attack with a Bardic Inspiration die, you should do it. Because if an attack's going to do 20-some damage with, you can, with something you can regain on a short rest, then that, that's like the difference between using like a 4th level spell spot to heal that damage or just one of your Bardic Inspiration die. To negate it completely. Exactly. So you want to try to prevent damage as much as possible. Good point. Uh, okay, so next uh, feature from the College of Lore is at 6th level, you get additional magic secrets. You get magic secrets before a car- uh, bard would normally get it. Yeah, so at 6th level, you can pick any two spells from anyone else's list. And the same thing as the regular one, but you get it earlier and before. And I think at 6th level, I think... You got 3rd right, level, level third spells, level right? spells. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. So, uh, um, so it's they're all a little weaker, but still. But with this one, you can actually. Um, I I like to think that this one is good for getting cantrips. If you have any interest in any cantrips that a bard can't cast, a bard bards usually don't have any blasty cantrips. I don't think they have anything that does damage except for vicious mockery. Exactly. So if you cherry pick, like let's say warlocks, eldritch blast. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, then. It, it makes this worth it, you yeah, know? Yeah, definitely. And then you can choose between any other third level or lower spell that you want. Exactly. Uh, I would recommend uh, the new Booming Blade or one of those other damage ones. Especially if you're melee. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, as soon as you get this ability at sixth level, all the cantrips die, all the damage die goes up to the second tier. Of yeah. damage. So, like, if at this level you'd be sixth level, I think Eldritch Blast does a D10 every round. Right, right. So it'd do two D10. Exactly. It'd be two D10 force damage. Force and not, damage, and not many you, things yeah. resist force. I don't think anything does. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. And uh, once again, these are cantrips. You can use them endlessly. Yeah. So it, it's, it's. I recommend uh, getting can't picking up cantrips with this because there's not many third level spells or lower that you'd want. Yeah. But I mean, if there's anything that you really love, then you should pick it up because it's more about you having fun than you optimizing your character totally. to be the best possible. You know. Totally. Um. All right, and the last thing you get from uh, the College of Lore is this peerless skill. Yes. And that is... So basically, when you make an ability check, you're going to expend one use of inspiration, and you can add the number roll to your ability check, but the caveat is you can do this after the roll has already been made. So, um, at 14th level, your dice is up to D10 or D12? 
I think it's up to a D10. So uh, you can decide, hey, I'm making an ability check. Oh, I rolled like a three. But since my proficiency is an expertise and all that, push it up to a 13, and I need a 15, I'm going to roll a bardic inspiration dice. Usually you'd have to say, I'm rolling a bardic inspiration dice to go with this attack beforehand, you know, or this ability check beforehand. Right. You have to spend it beforehand in hopes that, like, even if you roll low, you'll surpass it. But this is, if you roll low, you can use it retroactively and apply it on top of that. Right. So, um, it's not a great capstone, especially because some DMs let you do that anyway, but not most DMs. If you're doing it right, you shouldn't let them be doing this, because then this feature means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not the best, but it's it's good. It... Especially because it's for ability checks. Um, the only thing that I would say is, like, if you're really wanting to make this persuasion check and you just didn't roll enough, then you could add a bardic inspiration die and make it really high, and then your DM will, like, have to give you something because you rolled, like, a 25 or 30, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically... This is kind of uh, a kind of a interesting thing. Basically, I mean, I mean, you would have to inspire yourself before making the roll in order to do this, and so this kind of allows you to retroactively add your inspiration dice if you're really in a pickle. Yeah. So that's and but that's that's really all you get at. Uh, and that's all the way at fourteenth level, which yeah. is why yeah. Um. So. That's it for the College of Lore. So let's talk about the College of Valor. Right? Let's do it. College of Valor is kind of like the soldier archetype. Yeah. And add, uh, as soon as you choose it at third level, you gain proficiency in medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. All of a sudden, you, you can wield anything. So yeah, instead of, instead of the three skill proficiencies that College of Lore gets... They instead switch those out, and they're like, no, you're proficient in better armor, shields, and better weapons now. So uh, now you can use a longbow or, like, a heavy crossbow. Is that, is, that's a martial weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um... Uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're more skilled in uh, combat than you are in the skills. Yes. So um, this lets you be kind of more like a gish build, like a half spellcaster, half... Me- melee slash ranged, I guess. Half weapon attacker. Gish? Yeah. Well, maybe it's Gish. Uh, Gish, I, I think... I, I guess... I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's half spellcaster, oh. half melee. Okay, cool. A mix. Yeah, mix. it's like a mix between like a physical class and a magic class. Okay, alright, um, alright. A lot of people like playing those kinds of builds. Yeah, Because it gives them versatility. Yeah. It makes them feel like... I don't know, like... A lot of people have like want to be a spell sword because it just like lets them do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. you know and this is the way to do it definitely but um there's actually other ways of being a spell sword with the new unearthed arcana stuff but that's not eventually legal yet so we're going to talk about that later let's continue on with the college of valor <laughs> exactly uh so uh, you get the proficiencies and then you can also uh add your inspiration die and apply it in a very specific way. It's combat inspiration. Uh, in College of Lore, you're able to cut people's words and subtract uh, and 
to the DM's attack rolls, right? Yeah. Attack this rolls. one, this one is you'll yeah. you'll want to hand out your inspiration to probably the tank or the people who are up in melee, and they're going to add the inspiration to either their AC or their damage. They get all the other benefits of inspiration. They can still do it on attack, ability checks, and saving throws, but they can also choose to add it to their own AC, armor class, and their own weapon damage. Yeah, and the way they add it to their AC is this, they use a reaction to add it to it. Mm. So um, they spend their reaction to add it, and it only applies to their AC. Right, so if they, they've already spent... The reaction, like making an opportunity attack or yeah. casting a spell, they won't be able to up their AC. Yeah, and they can use that um, before... So they can use that after the dice is rolled. So like, let's say the DM rolls a 15, but before the DM's like, okay, yeah, you get hit and take this much damage. You have to say like, oh, I'm going to spend my bardic inspiration to raise my AC right when you see the dice roll. Right. Um, Don't cheat. <laughs> Don't cheat. No cheating. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So uh, basically, you can add to weapon damage, and you can uh, increase your AC as a reaction if you have a bardic inspiration dice. And that's if you can pass them around and let your allies do this. Yeah. Um, so then at sixth level, this is why you take College of Valor mainly, is because you get the extra attack that most melee builds get mm-hmm. most physical builds get exactly um so like that's barbarian that... gets extra attack fighter Fire. gets extra attack paladin gets extra attack college of valor bard gets extra attack it's at sixth level it's a little later than other build or other classes but um it's pretty much right around the same level yeah at least um, you get it yeah and then at 14th level... And that's, uh, if if you haven't uh, heard anything about martial classes, that's whenever you take the... Martial, martial classes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whenever you take the attack action to attack, you can make another attack. Yeah. So basically you make two attacks with just the attack action. You don't have to spend a bonus action. You don't have to do anything special. It's just your attack action now lets you make two attacks. Right. Which is cool. Which um, also applies to range. Can you do that with two range attacks? Yes. So, boom, boom, two different targets. Yeah. As long as they're within your range. Exactly. um, Which is good. Yeah, and then, like we said, if you take Magical Secrets with this and decide to take uh, Ranger's Swift Quiver, Mm. you could have four attacks in the same round. Mm. So, two with your attack action, two with your bonus action. Dang. So, So mix that with Sharpshooter for tons of damage. Alright, so at 10th level, you'll be shelling out four Arrows. Arrows. Yeah. Four arrows. Yeah. Whoa. And if you also combine that with like the ranger abilities to have those arrows split apart, you could be doing an incredible amount of additional damage. Yeah. With uh, a one turn. Yeah. There's lots of there's lots of things you can do, which is why which is why valor bards are viable you know they're I viable feel, i feel like every class in fifth edition is viable every subclass yeah. is viable it's just most classes are more useful in specific situations yeah and this is one of those ways that college of valor bard really shines yeah like let's say if your party needs support but you also want to like do do a lot of damage yeah. This is the path for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do both. 
the last thing that uh, College of Valor gets is at 14th level, you get Battle Magic. And that's whenever you uh, use the attack action to attack, you can use your bonus action to cast a spell. And that's pretty good, too. Uh, uh, a lot of, of these, what is it called, GIF? Is it called Gish? <laughs> these Gish classes, I'm talking Eldritch Knight and Arcane Trickster, they kind of have this battle magic in them as well. And that's, that's cool if, uh, let's say, you run up and kill someone with one attack, and uh, you're not within range to, uh, to hit someone else yeah. with a melee attack, you can spend a, uh, you can cast a spell in your same turn. Yeah. So that's basically what battle magic is for. Okay, so um, we talked about those two colleges. Should we talk about spells or the new the unearthed arcana colleges? I think we should go through spells. Okay, yeah. So we'll save the unearthed arcana stuff for the end because uh, people that are playing adventure league probably don't want to hear it. You know, we don't want to make them fast forward. So let's just go straight into the spells, spell choices, stuff like that. So bards have um, a unique spell list, and it's pretty good. Uh, the cantrips, they're like I said before, there's no damaging cantrip except for Vicious Mockery. Right. And that does a d4. It's not much damage, but it does give disadvantage on the target's next attack roll, I believe. Which is great. Yeah. So basically, you insult them, you do a little bit of psychic damage to them, basically... Uh, a sick burn, you know. <laughs> like, oh, that's a sick burn. <laughs> and uh, they get a little hurt inside. Like, you mess with their psyche. <laughs> right. And uh, because you messed with their psyche so much, they can't focus next turn and they can't attack effectively. So they get disadvantage on attack rolls. Yeah, and that lasts for one turn. And that's uh, that's probably that's the only damage dealing cantrip. Cantrip. Yeah. Uh, but because it's a cantrip, uh, it grows as you grow. Yeah. Not so, by much, but... Oh, wait, no, no, there's still Thunderclap. There's the spell called Thunderclap that they get as well. It's not And a, that was... Is it a cantrip? Yeah. Oh, it's that was released, one of the elemental. Elemental. Yeah, that's right. It was right. released in the elemental, and that was basically, uh, you send out a, a, a pulse of thunder energy from you... And it deals like a D6 of damage. Those are the only twos. The only other cantrip that I would recommend would be something like True Strike. True Strike can be good. Especially, um, some people have said that it's it's not great at all. Because what you're doing is you're wasting... You're, you're, you're spending your turn so you get to roll 2D20s next turn. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, only, the, the times that that's really effective is if you have an attack that you really need to hit. Like, maybe a spell that includes an attack roll that you'd be wasting, like, a ninth level slot on if you messed up and missed. You know, then That's you want to cast point. True Strike first and then use the spell slot because you have a little bit more of a chance. That's a good point. But, um, in general, don't use True Strike for, like, attacking because you can either roll 2d20s and have two chances to hit or spend your action and roll 2d20s next turn for one chance to hit. You know. Right. So at first level, you you learn two cantrips. The only th ones that I would recommend would be Vicious Mockery. Vicious Mockery is great. It's um, bard-only cantrip. I'd recommend, um, to be honest, Minor Illusion is fantastic. Um, it can, when you use it the right way, it totally can be. Yeah. 
you want to be creative with Minor Illusion. Like, uh, basically, it lets you create a still image or a sound. So, um, you could use it to create a wall. Like, if you could have... Let's say you, you're, like, going down all these caverns and stuff, and someone's chasing you. You could put up an illusory wall behind you, and they could run right past it and not notice, like, that there was even a path down that way, you know? Um, let's, say, let's say you're walking up into a room, and you're kind of being stealthy, and there's a bunch of goblins, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another pathway down the way. You can... Or a couple different pathways. You can make a sound coming, like that a bugbear is coming and that he, he's mad, and then the goblins could get afraid and like, go run the other way, and then you dealt with an encounter before it's even started. Exactly. You know, you can definitely I mean, use this. Um, I just played as a wizard with this cantrip in my last game, and I used it. I used it at least a couple of times. There were guards. There were guards, and we were in prison, and I was trying to distract the guards. And I've heard their uh, commander's voice before, so I basically used the commander's voice and lured them into a room so we could sneak past them. Like, I was like, guards, get in here. Oh, yeah. I need you. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it can basically make situations a lot easier. Definitely. And then you also put up the wall, I remember. Yeah, that. illusory walls. I mean, uh, if you can't see through a wall, even if it's imaginary, even if it's a yeah. Basically, illusion. how illusions work is that um, your DM may rule on this differently, but the way it's written in the book is that they have to spend their action to interact with it. Right. And then once they interact with it, they have to roll against your spell DC. Right. And if they roll lower than your DC, they still believe it's an illusion. So if they're touching an illusory wall, if they don't make their save, they still think it's a real wall. Right. So it's at least one whole round. And let me remind you again that this is a at-will spell that you can use as many times as you want. <laughs> like, it's pretty great. Um, the only downfall is that it's a concentration spell. And if hmm. you don't know much about spellcasters, then um, in this edition, they, uh, there's a mechanic called concentration. Right. A spellcaster can only concentrate... On one spell that requires concentration at a time. Right. So, um, back in 3.5, you could stack tons of buffs on yourself. You could be like, oh yeah, Cat's Grace, and, uh, you know. Uh, stone Skin. Yeah, and Bull Strength, and whatever. Right. But, um. In this one. In this one, you can only be concentrating on one spell at a time. And if you concentrate on something else, your previous spell ends. Right. So it kind of stops that stacking of all these different buffs and having to write down eight different buffs that are on you so yeah. that your DM remembers and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it, It's all designated in the book, you know, which ones are concentration spells. Yeah, it says it specifically which ones are concentration. But what's kind of cool is you can be concentrating on one spell and still cast other spells that aren't yes. concentration spells. Yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. And also, if you get hit... While you're concentrating so that, on the spell, yeah, that's the big thing. You have to make a concentration check, right? Which is basically a con save uh, versus either ten DC mm-hmm. or half of the damage that the attack did to you, right? It, whichever one's higher. So if something does, basically, if something does under twenty damage to you, it's a ten DC. If something does over 20 damage to you, then it's half of that. So if something does thirty damage to you, it's a fifteen DC, right? And you would make a con check. 
Which is uh, a con save, right? A con save. Yeah, so it's a constitution save. Right. So actually, a lot of casters, and this might be good for you, uh, if you have a 13 to spend in your stats, you know, like you usually have the stat array of like 15, 14, 13, 12, right. uh-huh. 12 10, 8, I mm-hmm. think is the standard array. Yeah. If you have a 13, you might want to put it in your constitution, or yeah. if you have like an 11 somehow, if you did the point by, you might want to put it in your constitution. And then uh, take the feat resilient for a constitution. It ups your constitution by one and gives you proficiency in it. That's a good point. So uh, it could make you make or break your con saves. It, it gives you, you proficiency. Resilience gives proficiency in con saves. Well, it gives proficiency in any save you pick, uh-huh. but you'd want to pick uh-huh. con saves. Good call. Good Most call. casters would want to do that. Resilience bumps your con up by one. Yes. And gives you... Uh, Proficiency in whatever one that you want. And con saves are good for casters. Yes, definitely. Good call. Good notes. And, uh, and also, for, on, on the same line of feats, uh, Warcaster is a great feat to take. Because yes, it, yes, gives yes. You, it gives you advantage on concentration checks. That's totally. great. Right there. And it lets you cast spells as opportunity attacks. Boom. Yeah, so like if someone's walking by, you could cast hold person on them. Boom. Instead of attacking, swinging at them with a sword for like a D8 plus exactly. 3 or whatever. So hold person is much better than that. It <laughs> lets auto crits happen. Yeah. So, and uh, the other part of Warcaster is that you can also cast with, uh, with while holding things in your hands. So, so you can be wielding weapons with two hands or a shield and a weapon. So that's the third part of casting. And we'll get more into the feats after we cover all the magic. Yeah, so um, cantrips I recommend. Vicious Mockery, Minor Illusion, uh, Mage Hand. Is, Mage Hand is good. It's pretty sometimes. good. It lets you open doors and treasure chests from 30 feet away. You know, if you don't want to get too close to something that you think might be trapped. Yeah. Um, if, like, there's a 30-foot gap and there's, like, a switch on the other end of it, you can just mage hand it. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. And if you're a human bard, uh, you want light because you're probably going to need it. Yeah, you want, uh, light or dancing lights so that you can illuminate areas that you can't see. Right. Um. Right. I wouldn't recommend a blade ward. Nope. No, Not at all. I mean, there useful. are other things to give you resistance. Yeah, and this only lasts for one round. Yeah. So you would have to waste your round casting it every time you want resistance. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of um, Friends is actually great for the party face, but it sucks because I believe after the duration of the spell ends, they know the spell's been casting on, casted on them, uh-huh. and they're usually mad about that. They're unfriendly about it, yeah. So it's great for things like guards. Like if you want to make friends with a guard to escape yeah. a prison, and then you're never going to see them again, it's great. Yeah, but it's probably good. not great for like the duchess of a town you're going to be staying in or something. Yeah. Like yeah. someone that you're going to be interacting with a lot. Multiple probably, times. You don't want to cast friends on them. Yeah, because if you're going to see them again, they're going to know you cast spells on them. And that's what we... That's, that's a awkward. shady thing. It's awkward. Yeah, it's so awkward. It's like, oh, last time we talked, you cast friends on me, so I was nice to you. But now I'm not nice to you, because you're a jerk. Uh, yeah, so if if you know that the campaign you're going to be playing in is uh, role-playing based, uh, that's definitely one you, you might want to do, just to move things along. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the cantrips, that's basically it. Uh, also, just, uh... Cantrips? One note for the last cantrip. Yes. Is prestidigitation. It's, um... 
Some people think it's worthless. Some people think it's amazing. Uh, it I personally, a... I personally think it's worthless. <laughs> That's why I said let's move on. But, <laughs> exactly. But it does some neat things. A it, lot it, of them I've are role playing actually, flavor. Yeah, actually, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've had players use it, and you know, in specific ways. I've seen it being used in ways in role playing to shut things down in the same way that uh, friends might be able to. It allows you to produce a magical effect that shows everyone around you. I wield magic powers, and you should. It can be used for intimidating purposes. Um, the one thing that, like, I don't know. I guess if you're a big role player, I would recommend it because it makes like all food you cast it on taste delicious. Yeah. Um. So like, some people might want to cast it on alcohol during like a drinking competition, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Good call. Um. The other thing that it does, I know this is someone else's story I read somewhere, but uh, it can clean like a five foot area. Yeah, one. It can clean or soil any object no larger than one cubic foot. Yeah, so um, someone was playing in a campaign where there was like people summoning a demon, right? And they were like. They were, like, pretty close to the altar, but not close enough to just, like, get there and, like, stop the ritual. And someone, basically, like, he was just about to cut his hand and, like, put blood on the altar. And everything was set up to summon this massive demon. And someone was just like, press to digitation! I cleaned the table! And just, like, took a bunch of the ritual materials off that were necessary for the ritual to happen. And just, like... Made it so the guy couldn't summon his demon and pretty much ended the campaign just from <laughs> one clever use of prestidigitation. That's hilarious. And then, like, it has other role-playing stuff. Like, on the other hand of cleaning is you can soil something, I right. believe. And you can, like, soil someone else's pants if you don't like them. Um, <laughs> you know, like, just funny things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can always clean your clothes if you're a clean freak, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's enough for cantrips. We don't even talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's definitely cool for, like, you know, basic magic users. Um, at level one, basic. if you're basic, if you're basic of magic user. <laughs> so level one. <laughs> at level one, is things in, start uh, opening up. Yeah, keep in mind... You only have a limited amount of spells known as a bard. Mm. So the spells you pick here, I think you get to switch them out once in a while, but they're important that you don't want to pick something lame. Like, you want to pick something that you're going to use a lot that is effective and that you like to use, you know? So, um... Right, 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 right. So you learn them. You you don't want to waste these. Uh, Definitely not. You want to choose the ones that are most effective for you in this party. One of my favorite ones uh, of level one. Oh, and another thing to speak of at level one and in magic in this game in general is that you'll find a lot of the spells to be in the level one category because a lot of uh, spells can be casted either at level one or above. So you can boost them by casting them at higher levels. And we'll kind of explain that a little more when we get to the higher levels. But uh, let's say you have a a Cure Wound spell at level 1, and you have the ability to cast uh, level 3 spells. You can use your level 3 spell slots 
to boost your cure wound spell to a, the effect of a level three spell. Yeah. So, so. Um, at first level, one of uh, I haven't gotten the chance to use it in the campaign yet, but one spell that I really would want to use and that I think is actually really powerful for wait, a support wait, wait, wait. class. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt. But you mentioned uh, uh, that you could possibly uh, replace spells. Yeah. It, uh, I've just, uh, I believe, I'm pretty sure that it's every time you gain a level, you're able to replace a spell that you already know with One a spell. new spell. Okay, one spell. One spell per level. So basically, you only get to change your mind once per level. So if you're going to change your mind... It's they, in between. It's not yeah. going to be in the middle of a session or in between sessions. It's going to be one time, and it's when you level up. Yeah. So, um, anyway, back to what I was saying. Right. One spell that <laughs> I think is pretty powerful uh-huh. is called Fairy Fire. Oh, now, well, yeah. What is that? Okay, yeah. Most people don't... I don't know if they like uh, really look at the spell, but basically, you pick a 20-foot cube. Within range, right? Okay. So within 60 feet, you pick a 20-foot cube, and uh, anything that fails a deck save in that cube, any creature that fails a deck save to your spell DC, mm-hmm. is outlined in light, mm-hmm. and any creature attacking something that's outlined in light gets advantage on their attack rolls. Nice. Advantage until, and it's concentration up to a minute, so this could last for 10 rounds. And also, because they're covered in light, um, they can't benefit from being invisible. So if you think someone's invisible in a 20-foot cube, you cast this on them. Not only, if they fail their deck save, not only are they not invisible anymore, but everyone has advantage on attack rolls against them. Exactly. I so mean, you pair this with a rogue, and you just You get sneak attack them. all day. Yeah. You know? All day long, yo. Yeah. So that's one of the best. Uh, Bard being, you know, a support class, this one is definitely a support Spell definitely fairy fire is definitely good. I would also recommend sleep. Sleep is great, especially at lower. This is actually probably the prime candidate for what we're talking about with switching spells. Sleep is great up until about level five. Once level like once you hit about level five, Uh most things don't have that low of HP anymore. Right, because it's like you roll five d eight and that many creatures fall asleep. At level one, this is fantastic. Right. Because, like, 5d8, if you roll max dice, like, things have 5 HP, so you can put, like, 8 creatures to sleep. Exactly. Um, but... So it's great at level 1, but once you're fighting things with, like, 40 HP and, like, 5 of them at once, uh, you're not, you're not gonna put yeah. any of them to sleep. Even if you cast it at a higher level, because I think it only boosted by 2d8 each time. Yeah. And that's, that's really not that much. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. It's, so it's I would good. say pick sleep, and then switch it out is my personal suggestion. I would agree with um, that. So then you also got the healing spells. You got cure wounds and healing word. The difference is cure wounds. You have to touch someone, and it's a full action. But you get a D eight plus your spell casting modifier, and then that increases by spell levels. So like second level would be two D eight, third level would be three D eight. Like we said, we could cast first level spells in a third level slot and get the benefits of that. Right. Um, and then there's Healing Word, which is instead of an action, it takes your bonus action, 
which is nice. It makes you have more action economy, more things to do on your turn. Right. And um, it's a D4 plus your casting modifier. So, so it's, half as much healing power, but as uh, it's quickened and it's arranged. Yeah, ability. you can also do it from, I believe, 30 feet away? 60 feet 60 away. 60 feet away. So it's a long range. Um, and it's not quite half. It's half the dice. Uh-huh. But um, yeah. unless you're using a higher spell slot, because it's if you have a charisma of five, then yeah. it's like a D eight plus five versus a D four plus five. You're still gonna heal quite a significant amount of damage. You know, six to nine damage. That's a good point. Um, so those are those are the healing spells that you get, uh, and uh, bards, like we said, are good healers. Definitely support healers. I would say off healers or. Backup healers. Yeah, backup healers. Uh, you could get away with being the main healer, but you would probably not be happy. <laughs> <laughs> right? You wouldn't be. You wouldn't want to be the main healer. You would be worried the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh no. I feel bad for clerics, man. Yeah, right. We're gonna touch on clerics N- uh, next time or next, time? next part of our series. Yeah. Yeah, next part of our series. We we're thinking about maybe doing a uh, rules a rule uh, session next Wednesday. Yes. So. Um, so look forward to that, please. <laughs> uh, another uh, kind of like a healing spell is uh, Heroism. And Heroism uh, gives temp HP uh, per round. You get like four, I think it's a D4 temp HP. No, it's the ability modifier. Okay, so like if you have a three charisma, it's three then. Right, right exactly. So um, uh, first off, Heroism makes you brave. So you're automatically immune to being frightened. Which is great. If you, like, again, if you're playing in a campaign that is heavy on frightened, like pulsating dark energy and, like, make, making, like, mm. saves for fear yeah. a lot. Yeah, Especially in, like, a horror campaign. Yeah, like, I know, with, like, yeah. zombies and skeletons and, like... Yeah, vampires and yeah. whatever, whatever. Whatever uses a lot of fear. Your DM, if your DM uses a lot of fear, heroism... Is probably should be on your spell list. Definitely. Because uh, being immune to fear, if your DM uses a lot, is great. Yeah, being immune to something that your DM is going to be using a lot <laughs> is yeah. definitely something good to have. Um, so, um, and then temp HP per round. That's great. So it's your ability, mod- your spellcasting ability. Every round you get temp HP. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, but once again, it's a concentration spell. Up to a minute, so you'll be concentrating on it. Okay, and um, so a lot of spellcasters in this game, Bard included, they have this thing called ritual casting. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that there's certain spells in here that have the ritual tag on them. You right. can take a look through them all and figure out which ones are rituals on your own. Right. But um, basically, it makes it so that you can cast it without using a spell slot. But you have to add 10 minutes to the casting time. Right. So it's something to do on your downtime or like between encounters if you can squeeze it in if your DM lets you. Yeah. Or like um, if you're traveling in the back of a cart, they might say that you aren't even allowed to do it because of the movement. But um, if your DM lets you do it while you're traveling in a cart, you probably should. Yeah. I think my DM let me, uh, let me do it on a raft. While we were going down a river, and I just kept on casting the same ritual to let me know if people were following us with <laughs> yeah. alarm. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, rituals are really good 
uh, choices for spells known because they don't take up your spell slots. It lets you, if you want to cast them, this is a 10-minute version. And so there are a couple of rituals that Bard gets. Uh, Comprehend Languages is one of them. It lets you understand any languages, which is great for, like, role-playing campaigns, especially if you're somewhere, like, that would be using languages you don't know. Right. Um, maybe you're, like, in the abyss, and you don't know abyssal or infernal, and no one else knows it, and you should probably have comprehend languages. Yeah. Um, detect magic. Um, you can also cast this as an action on your turn. Right. But it uses a spell slot that way. So if you have the downtime, and you want to detect magic, and see if there's, like, a magic item in this cave or whatever, and you you have the time to sit down and cast it, it's pretty good. It's a good use of a ritual. Identify is one as well. Yeah, identify. If you have a magic item, it tells you its properties, right? Correct. Uh, I would recommend this more for a wizard, though. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, you don't really need it as a bard. Uh, I think uh, what we've said already is better choices for your rituals. Yeah, and I think uh, the last one, I'm not sure if it's the last first level one, but uh, I know another one is speak with animals. Yes. So um, I actually... You get this as a barbarian if you take the totem spirit. Yeah. And when I was playing a barbarian, I just used this every chance I could. I just say like, "Is there a squirrel around? Yeah. Is there a fish in the river?" Yeah. <laughs> like, and I just talked to as many animals as I could and just try to get their their sense of the thing. You know, their sense of what was going on around them. Like, if like a bandit camp moved up upstream, then I'd ask the fish if they've seen them and stuff like that. Right. Right. Or if there's anything in the water that they should be aware of. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah it's it's a good one. Um, what else would you get at level one? I would recommend uh, Tasha's Hideous Laughter. Tasha's Hideous Laughter is a good one. Um, I think it's a wisdom save or an intelligence save. I believe it's wisdom. Yeah, I think it's a wisdom check. And I actually used Tasha's Hideous Laughter... This past session. Yeah. As the, my wizard. Yeah. So, uh... So we've been talking about how Justin's been playing a wizard recently. <laughs> I know a wizard isn't bored, but it shares some of the same spells. Yeah. So we're going to talk about <laughs> me playing a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so this this one also kind of ended uh, a fight. It, it shut it down pretty so well. So we were on that raft I was talking about, and we went in and, uh... We fought, like, this water-type creature, right? So he came out of the water, and he was attacking our raft. And uh, I had the first turn in initiative. Like, he got the surprise round, but I had the first turn in initiative. And I just cast Tasha's Hideous Laughter on him. He failed to save. And so he was knocked prone and just had to keep laughing. And so everyone else on their turn just like was like, let's paddle the raft and get away. <laughs> and so then it came to his next turn and he failed to save again. And so we had another turn of everyone getting a chance to pedal away. So we just like ended up like paddling the raft away and just like just completely skipping a fight. That was the last fight of the night. It was and the last fight. <laughs> the DM was like, oh, well, I have nothing else prepared. So. <laughs> So you guys level up, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It was so good. Uh, So yeah, so that's how it works. Uh, And that kind of shows you how uh, casters can shut down combat uh, really easily. Yeah. Uh, You pick the right spells, uh, you can really do a lot. Uh, But how this one works specifically is you choose someone within 30 feet, 
And uh, they have to make a wisdom save or fall prone. If they fail their save, they fall prone. And then on each of their turns, they're allowed to uh, roll again on their save. Yeah, and if they fail again, they stay prone. And this is another concentration one that lasts up to a minute. Yeah. So, um, the other ones I would recommend, uh, if you're in a campaign that... You would know if you're in a campaign that needs this. Um, Disguise Self is good for something that is very, like, roleplay heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Dissonant Whispers. Dissonant Whispers is actually the one that I wanted to mention. Right. As being pretty great. I think it's, uh, if I'm correct, it's one of the only ones with an intelligence saving throw, right? Uh, it, no. It's oh, it is a wisdom saving throw. Yeah. Okay. It's psychic damage. That's what it is. Not many spells do psychic damage. This does 3d6 psychic damage as a level 1 spell, so it's actually pretty good for yeah. damage-wise. Not bad. Yeah, 3d6? Yeah, not bad at all. But the the real kicker is that um, <laughs> if they fail the saving throw, they take the damage, and then they have to move. They have to spend their reaction. Yeah, their reaction. They have to spend their reaction to move... As far away as possible from you. <laughs> so when they do this movement, it's movement. And it provokes opportunity attacks as normal. It's not forced movement. They're spending the reaction to move of their own accord, kind of, because you're just like making them scared of you. Right, right, right. It, it's their fear that propels their choice to so, run away. So, so it doesn't count as forced movement, which means opportunity attacks work. Yep. So if you have... If you're a bard in the back and you have like a barbarian and a fighter and a and a rogue right up on him, mm. right up on this guy, and mm. you use dissonant whispers and he moves away from you, all three of them get opportunity attacks. Exactly. And and you do damage. Yeah, and you do three d six psychic damage. Exactly. So um, this is actually really good, especially for like single target fights. Yeah, it's it's one of the uh, I would recommend taking this one. And maybe, uh, maybe sleep, or what was the other one? Sleep, fairy fire. Fairy fire. Fairy fire and dissonant whispers is what I would recommend. Oh, and also, even if they save on dissonant whispers, it still does damage. It does half the damage. Yes. They don't run away, but it still does half of the 3d6 that you roll. Yeah. Um, and the one caveat to that is if the creature is deaf... For any reason, then it, the spell just doesn't work. So don't cast the spell on anything that can't hear. Right. Especially something that you just uh, turned deaf magically. <laughs> yeah, if you're like <laughs> blindness, deafness, and oh, I, I picked deafness, and then I use dissonant whispers. It's not a good idea. That would be <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. So keep that in mind. Good and, point. Um, yeah. So um, first level spells, those are our recommendations. Charm person's pretty good, especially in role-playing situations. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but once we're getting to the second level... Yes. Hold person... Is much better. Is ridiculous. Yes. So, so what does that do? So hold person uh, paralyzes. That's correct. And when you're paralyzed, you're helpless, which means that anyone that attacks you, I think they get advantage... Not only that. But they also get auto crits. Auto crits. So, like, if you're dealing this with a rogue, and at second level spells, I mean, your third level, you're getting 2d6 sneak attack dice as a rogue. Um, yeah. 
you're rolling all of those dice twice. twice. And it's just huge amounts of damage if you do it right with the right party. Like paladins, if you have a paladin, then they can smite and double their damage dice. Exactly. Off their smite. That's a good um, if you have If you have any people on your team that could benefit from critting, which I believe is pretty much everyone <laughs> can benefit from critting, take hold person. Because <laughs> yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's only downfall is it doesn't work on creatures. So. Right, it's hold person. So it only works on humanoids. Humanoids only. Yeah. Uh, how it works is uh, 60 feet range. You choose one humanoid creature, they make a wisdom save. Uh, and like the other spells we mentioned, they can repeat that wisdom save at the end of each round. Yeah. So. Um, and uh, it lasts one minute. Concentration. So the other one I would recommend for second level is uh, one of my favorite ones is Heat Metal. <laughs> this because if the target is wearing any type of metal, they just automatically take damage. Yeah. They don't get a saving throw to avoid this damage. Yep. They just take, I believe, 2d8 damage. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, they just take 2d8 damage, and then they get a save. And the save isn't to prevent the damage or anything <laughs> else. It's to allow them to drop the item that got heated up if they want to or if they can. Yeah, if they can. So, like, if you're if they're wearing metal armor... They can't. They're screwed. They're screwed because they're wearing the metal armor. It takes, like... I, I don't know the exact rules. We'll, we'll talk about this it's next. It's definitely 2d8. Well, I don't know the exact rules about doffing armor, taking off armor. Oh, yeah. But we'll probably talk about it next, next uh, podcast. But I believe it takes like five minutes to take off heavy armor. That's correct. It's something ridiculous. Yeah. So if they're it's wearing like, 10 like minutes. if they're wearing plate, they just take two d eight damage, and you can spend your bonus action to keep on applying that damage every round, yep. unless they drop the item or take it off or whatever. So if it's fastened onto them somehow, you just spend your bonus action to do an extra two d eight damage every single round. Yeah. Which is great. Heat metal is fantastic. That's a good one. Um, other than that, uh, see invisibility is okay. Invisibility? Invisibility is alright. It's, it's, a uh... Crown of Madness is pretty good. Crown of Madness, uh, compels an enemy to run to and attack its closest, or a creature of your choice. Mm-hmm. So you can turn the enemies against themselves. Uh, it's kind of like a, a, a battle, uh... A, a battle-oriented uh, confusion spell. You're, you're basically just making them attack themselves. Okay. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a wisdom saving throw. A twisted crown of iron appears on their head. And uh, the target must use its action before moving on each of its turns to make a melee attack against any creature other than itself that you mentally choose. That's awesome. Yes. But that is a second level spell as well. Right. I would say the better version of that is Suggestion. Suggestion is another spell you can choose, and I'd say to take Suggestion. Because it's pretty awesome. Uh, basically, and I believe it lasts for up, like, up to eight hours with concentration. Right, right. Uh, so you basically suggest that they do something. It can't be something harmful to themselves, right. I believe. But uh, if they fail their save, they have to do whatever you suggested. So if you just say, like, 
oh, I suggest that you go check in your grandmother at home. Then, like, they're like, oh, I have a feeling I should go check on my grandmother at home and, like, leave in the middle of combat, <laughs> you know? You could also suggest that they attack their own allies. Yeah. Just like Crown of Thorns, but, uh, but even even better because of the, the way the rules are written. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's suggestions very powerful, and I would recommend taking that at least at some point. Um, it's very good. Um, Another one I believe is good is Phantasmal Force. I believe Phantasmal that good. Force is uh, pretty good. It does uh, do psychic damage. Um, it's a uh, it's a intelligence saving throw. That's yeah. That's what makes it good. Is that most monsters specifically have really low intelligence saves. Right. Because like a lot of them aren't very intelligent. Right. And. Uh, so, first you force them to make a intelligence save, and then if they fail it, they believe what they're saying is real. And you're able to create, a, you can even create a enemy. You can create a creature out of, like, mental energy, yeah. and have this creature, this fake creature, attack them, and do a, a D6 of psychic damage every time they hit it. That's awesome. They can also you can also make like fake lava underneath the enemy, and as long as they are standing in this lava and think that it's real, they're gonna take a d6 of psychic damage. That's awesome. Thinking that their feet are burning in lava. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Uh, Phantasmal Forest. That's not bad. Uh, Enthrall is good if you're um, role playing. Yeah. It, Definitely. It it. It basically makes whoever you're talking to or whoever you just cast the spell on focus on you and nothing else. So people could be like walking right past them and they wouldn't see them. They would be focused on you. That's awesome. Yeah, especially in like some kind of situation where like you have to distract someone while like your rogue goes and steals something. Right, right. It's really good for that. Exactly. So um, let's move on to third level. Yes. So, Liamun's Tiny Hut is one I'd like to pick, and it's a ritual. Um, I believe it lasts for <laughs> eight hours? or four Yeah, hours. eight hours. So, eight hours. So, it's long enough for a long rest if you do it right. Um, what it does is it creates, like, a small, impenetrable wall of force mm-hmm. that you can, like, color. And basically, it, it has enough room for you and your party to take a long rest and be safe. So, you just cast it as a ritual, and you're pretty much good for the night. The caveat is if you have a DM that doesn't like that you're doing this, he'll probably have, because you can see it from the outside, he'll probably have, like, a bunch of monsters waiting for your spell to wear off so they can attack you as soon as, like, your morning starts. Yeah. And then you don't have enough time to prepare your spells, you don't have enough time to do anything before you get into this fight. So, um, that kind of sucks, but if you have a nice DM that lets you just use it as, like, a little extra buffer to make sure you're safe for the night, then, uh, you should be good. Yeah. Another one, so that one's really good because it's you, you might not be able to find a place to rest if you're in a dungeon and stuff. But uh, that one's good. Uh, dispel magic is good too. Definitely. And like, unlike how it's been used in past games, this is how this works. Just any, you pick a target and any spell of third level and below immediately ends. Just, yeah. Just everything. You, just you everything don't even ends. have to make a check. You don't, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and everything above fourth, uh, fourth level and above 
uh, they have to make a, a check versus your DC. So... No, uh, you, uh, you, you have to make uh, an ability check with your spellcasting ability versus a DC that's, I think, 10 plus the spell's level. Right. So it's going to be at least 14 because it's only 4th level spells and above. Right, 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 right. So a DC 14 of your spellcasting ability modifier. Right, so you add your spellcasting ability uh, so to you this check and if, you're trying to beat... So as a bard, if you have a 5 charisma, mm-hmm. then you're going to get a plus 5 on a D20 roll. To be a DC of 14 or higher. Right. Basically. And this is for each spell that is cast on it. So if there's multiple spells cast on this one boss, you get to roll each... uh, You get to roll a dice for each one of those spells. To take it off, basically. Yeah. So that one's pretty great. Yeah. And then there are other uh, decent rituals. I believe they're rituals. Uh, Speak with dead and speak with plants. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Same thing with speak with animals is you can get a lot of information, like if your DM would give you something, but like he doesn't know how. Like I don't know if you, you want more information just in general. Then if you cast speak with dead or speak with plants, it could give you different avenues for that information that might be easier than like like let's say you're in a town that's run by a cult and no one's telling you the truth because everyone's part of this cult and they're all trying to trick you. Then if you talk to one of the plants, they could tell you what's happening. <laughs> you know, they, they've point. been alive and around and observing their environment. Yup. So, um, I mean, you could completely circumvent many sessions if you had the spell in that situation. True but that. like all of these spells, they're all very situational. Yeah. Um, and it really depends on your DM and what kind of campaign you're playing. But these are things that you can do. Um... Uh, another good one is bestow curse, and that's uh, you bestow a disadvantage of your choice. I think you get to choose from four different things, and it's like disadvantage on uh, uh, specific, yeah, disadvantage on attacks or disadvantage on a skill or so on and so forth. It's it's pretty good, but um, let's move on to level four stuff, and these. These uh, spell lists are going to get smaller as we go on. So the two, or rather, I guess all of these are pretty good because mm-hmm. they're fourth level spells. Mm-hmm. They're going to be pretty good. The two that stick out to me is the best, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of them yeah, are, yeah. are better in certain situations than others. Polymorph is ridiculous. <laughs> Polymorph, you cast on your barbarian. You cast on your your rogue, even. You cast on anyone. And you can just turn them into a T-Rex. You can just turn... And then they get the stats of a T-Rex. It's basically like wild shaping as a druid. Uh-huh. But you just spend a spell slot, and then you can make your fighter be a T-Rex for a while. <laughs> and just have... Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous what you can do with Polymorph. The the only uh, the only drawback to that is... Or the only... What's the word? Uh, prerequisite to that ability is they... The animal that they turn into has to be a challenge rating of or less than the character that you're casting on. Yeah. So uh, so that's the only drawback. But other than that, and also, it's not really a drawback because if you use it on the enemy, you're, you'll want it to be way less. You can turn an enemy into a, a sheep, a, sheep, a frog. A mouse, yeah. You know? 
So that one, that one's pretty good. It, it shuts down or enhances battle for show. The other one that sticks out is definitely going to be greater invisibility. Yeah. So basically, in, it's invisibility that doesn't end when you attack. So this is great for like if you cast on your rogue or on yourself, or your rogue will get sneak attack a bunch because they get advantage on attacks because they're invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time you don't want to use this spell is if something has true sight. Or if you know, like, it's a caster that has the invisibility or fairy fire might be one that you don't want to go up against if you have greater invisibility. That's a good point. Um, But but for most cases, if you aren't fighting something that has true sight or magic, you want to have greater invisibility on. Yeah. And uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these concentration spells last only for one minute. And that's um, ten rounds in a battle. It's only basically one ba- battle, yeah. basically. And that's this is one of those spells, greater invisibility. Yeah. Um, I also like freedom of movement, though. Freedom of movement is actually uh, really good if, um, to be honest, if you're a DM and uh, someone keeps on grappling your monsters or your or your en- your big bad enemy guys and stuff, and just making your encounters horrible. You want to cast Freedom of Movement on the guy that's getting grappled a lot because it lets them just automatically escape grapples. Mm-hmm. It lets them automatically not have to deal with difficult terrain, right? Yeah, and you can't, you're can't. you immune to paralyzed and restrained conditions. So hold monster doesn't matter. Nets don't matter. Yeah, difficult um, if terrain. You ever, if you've ever been annoyed by your DM throwing nets at you and restraining you, this is probably a good spell for you to pick up. Yeah. And uh, it lasts for an hour. You don't have to concentrate on it. It just lasts for an hour. That's great. Yeah, no concentration spells like this are pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to fifth level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right off the bat, I'm seeing animate objects, which can be cool. I'm seeing raised dead. Raised I'm, dead? I'm thinking if you're a fifth level <laughs> bard and you are not in the party with a cleric or druid... Mm-hmm. Then you should probably take Raise Dead just so that someone has it. Because, granted, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at 10th level or whatever, definitely. when you get 5th level spells, yeah. um, granted, Art, like, if someone dies, they're going to be pissed. Yeah. So, like, you, you're going to want to have that ability to Raise Dead. Yeah. Um, Especially if there's no other. No one else has it. Yeah. I mean, if your cleric has it, if your druid has it, just ignore it. Ignore it, make them do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but take it's all, more interesting thing. Yeah, it's all based on party build mm-hmm. and what the party needs. Um, I'm, uh, but I was saying animate objects. Yeah. And that's where you take up to ten objects and you animate them. And uh, depending on the size of the objects, they uh, you can move them and cause them to like do damage and stuff. Basically, you get a bunch of little things that can fly around and do damage and have basically a bunch of little minions just from objects. Exactly. And then uh, Dominate Person, I believe, is really good. It's yeah. kind of like, it's like a way more powerful suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think they if they fail their save, they just do whatever you want, right? Is yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, up to a minute, you can make them do stuff like attack this creature, run over there, whatever you want. Yeah, and it's up to a minute, mm-hmm. concentration. Yep. So that's pretty good for a fight, especially it makes one of the enemies turn around and attack their friends. 
But you have more tactical control over them. Right. You can even cause them to use their reaction, which so is great. which is great. Um, another one that sticks out is Hold Monster. You finally get the ability to paralyze things that aren't humanoids. So yeah. if you have a giant demon or something, and you cast Hold Monster on it, it fails its save. Now everyone auto-crits against this demon. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, um, it's pretty good for especially like big bosses. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Good one. Good one, Justin. Uh, greater restoration is okay too, but that's more healing. And mask your wounds if you're a healer. Yeah, these ones are healer. But I think that's all I want to chat about. Yes, I remember that being good. Uh, that's you get proficiency or advantage on charisma checks and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's good for role playing. And also, yeah, you also, uh, uh, a creature must make a wisdom saving throw or or become charmed for you for the, the duration. That's awesome. While they're charmed by you, it takes 5d10 psychic damage each time it acts in a manner directly counter to your instructions. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's so. kind of like suggestion... But, you but can't issue... if they try to go against your suggestion, they just take massive amounts of damage. Exactly. Exactly. So okay. that one's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, up to sixth level, right? Mm-hmm. The three that stand out to me are mass suggestion. Basically, you used to cast suggestion on multiple people at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, true seeing. Mm-hmm. So basically, invisibility doesn't matter. Exactly. And then Otto's Irresistible Dance, I believe, does something that shuts down things without a save until their turn. So I believe I've heard the spell cast on like dragons that are in the in mid flight, and they'll just fall from the air. Because what what does it say? <laughs> yeah. So you cast the spell, and they just immediately start dancing. You know, there's no save once once it starts, but. Uh, it uses all of its movement to dance while leaving its space, uh, without leaving its space, and it has disadvantage on dex saves and, uh, attacks. And also, all attacks against it have advantage. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um... So that one's good, True Sing's good. Yeah, and once you get into this high, you're probably gonna, like... Have enough experience to look at these spells and just see which ones are great. Right. Uh, like, true singing also lasts an hour. So just in case you were considering taking that but you weren't sure, true singing is pretty OP. Yeah. Um, Force Cage is 7th level. I heard that's like ridiculously overpowered. Hmm. Um, How does that work? So basically, I think you just trap things in a cage and they can't move. And okay. I don't think there's a save. Okay. So, um... Around an area that you choose. What is, what is it? So, like, if there's a big boss and you just cast a force cage on it, he has to stay within that cage for an hour. And there's no concentration or anything. So, um... You, you can also make the cage so that it has bars and stuff so that you can, like, shoot through it. So you can just have your, like, ranges stay, stand at max range. And just attack it until it dies. Uh-huh. Basically, like, that's really stupid ways of using it. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> actually use it like that in a campaign unless I was feeling really jerk. 
jerky. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Force Cage is good. A lot of these are good. Resurrection, regenerate, regenerate, teleport is, great. is fantastic. Teleport is great. A regenerate is really good. First off, the target gains uh, 48 plus 15 hit points. That's awesome. And then for the duration of the spell, which is an hour, the target regains a hit point at the start of each of its turns. That's great. So, like, especially if you're, like, casting that between battles or something, he's just going to heal up to full after every battle, you know? Yeah. Um, so, 8th level, Dominate Monsters, great. Mm-hmm. Feeble Mind, I think, just shuts down casters, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. First off, it takes 46 of damage, and then on the saving throw, it must make the saving throw after that, and uh, if it fails, its charisma becomes one. Yeah, so uh, Warlocks, the Bards, cre- yeah. Sorcerers just become useless. Yeah, well, the charisma not only goes to one, but they can't use spells. Creature can't use spells, activate magic items, understand language. Oh yeah, communicate it, in any way. It completely <laughs> shuts down all casters. Yeah. Not just not just charisma based casters. A feeble mind uh, kind of like says it all. It becomes it turns like an eloquent, intelligent human being or or creature into the like, duh, a duh, yeah. Duh, duh, duh. yeah. A duh. <laughs> but yeah, you know? at this point, we're getting to the point where like your campaigns probably aren't going to get to this far. But um, right, right, right. These right. are great. These are great capstone abilities. You yeah, know, things that you're going to be using at the end. Yeah. So um, that's pretty much it for spells. Yeah, pretty should much. We, should we talk about the feats? But I think there are basically two main feats for a bard that I want to mention, um, and that's going to be actor and actor. inspiring leader. Okay. So actor, especially if you have a um, an odd charisma score, if like somehow you ended up with a 15 or a 17, uh-huh. then you could take actor instead of your ability score increase, because it increases your charisma by one. Great. And then you have advantage on deception and performance checks when trying to pass yourself off as someone else. That's and then good. you can mimic the speech of another person or the sounds made by other creatures. You must have heard the person speaking or heard the creature make the sound for at least one minute. <laughs> so, um, with that, especially paired with the minor illusion cantrip, you can perfectly imitate people's voices through your minor illusion like sounds. So, like, if you've heard, like, the guard captain talk then you could perfectly imitate the guard captain's voice. That kind of thing. And then... Um, inspiring leader, I think you said. Yeah, inspiring leader. Do you want to talk about that? Inspiring leader uh, is basically you can choose up to six creatures, uh, probably your allies, uh, and give them temp HP equal to your level plus uh, your charisma modifier. Yeah, so basically, and you can do this, so it's 10 minutes uh, before a fight. Yeah. And you can use it every short, like, you can use it every short rest. So every time you do a short rest, this ability refreshes. Um, and let, let's say you're level 8 and you have a charisma of 4, right? So that's 12 temporary HP before a big fight to everyone in your party. That's actually a pretty big deal. I mean, 
that's the equivalent, if you have a five-person party, that's the equivalent of, like, healing 60 points of damage. <laughs> Which is, like, uh, yeah, a couple of mass cure point. wounds, like, a couple of fifth-level spells. Yeah. You know? Like, it's quite a bit. Yeah, I think point. inspiring leader for anyone with a high charisma is actually a really powerful feat. I know not many people might think so, but if you have the ten minutes enough to cast a ritual, like it's basically a ritual that gives everyone a ton of HP. True that. Um, yeah, and uh, other than that, as far as feats I mean, go, lucky is great for lucky. Everything. Yeah, we've we've discussed lucky. And Lucky's then um, the other one we discussed was the sharpshooter. If you want to go college of valor, because oh, yeah. it gives you a bunch of damage. That's true. That's Warcaster. True. For, I think we already talked about that with the advantage on constitution saving throws to um, maintain concentration. And uh, I mentioned uh, that this might be the op healer or the backup healer. So healer might be a good feat uh, because it allows uh, you to use healer's kit to basically heal, heal the party. You'll already be doing it with your song of rest. Uh, but now uh, this is what you get with the healer feat. When you use a healer's kit to stabilize a dying creature, that creature also regains a hit point. Uh, you can also, as an action, spend one use of the healer's kit to tend to a creature and restore 1d6 plus 4 hit points to it, plus additional hit points equal to the creature's maximum hit die, which means equals to the creature's level, max level, including all of your multi-classes. So it's a D6 plus 4 plus the Healy's level. Level. Basically, yeah. yeah. So it's quite a bit at later levels. Um, Bard can do it. I think um, Rogue, if you specialize as a Thief Rogue, you can do it as a bonus action, so it becomes even better then. Nice. But um, if you're going to be the party healer without being like a cleric, then healer is definitely a good feat to invest in. Sweet. Um, cool, so do you want to take a break and then maybe go into the Sword Coast, or the yeah. Unearthed Arcana stuff? Sounds good stuff? to me. Uh, we'll be right back with the Unearthed Arcana stuff. Alright, so we're back, and we're ready to talk about... The new Unearthed Arcana Bard. Yeah, colleges. yeah. No, the new the, colleges. The new colleges. So what, there's what? there's the College of Swords and the College of Satire. So I think we're talking when we we're talking about the College of Valor, we we're talking about like Gish builds, like half melee, half or half martial, half caster. And uh, I think Gish. I think the College of Swords really helps the Bard become that, mm. especially up in melee range. So do you want to explain what they get? So you choose a college at third level, so this is what they'd get at third level, is a bonus proficiency. So they get proficiency with medium armor. And scimitar. And scimitars. So you don't get proficiency with shields and all martial weapons like... Um, like the College of Outward Bard does. Right. But basically, you just get proficiency with medium armor and scimitars. Right. And so you, you can still be wearing, like, a scale mail or whatever. Yeah. And wielding scimitars. The other thing you get is two-weapon fighting style. Which so basically, basically, if you're going to be a College of Swords Bard, mm. you're going to want to wield two scimitars. <laughs> like, basically, yeah. that's what they're built to do. Yeah. They don't get shield proficiency. 
You don't get anything like that. So you're double, dual wielding scimitars, basically. And then, do scimitars, are they finesse weapons? or ver- They are finesse weapons. Right. I, so, I believe so. So you'll be able to add your... Uh, dex modifiers. Dex modifiers. So still build around a dex type. Yeah, dex and charisma would probably be the best. So two-weapon fighting of this build, though, uh, it, it, it allows you to add your ability modifier to the second attack, which is very rare. You, you can find that in the fighter build. Yeah, the fighter two-weapon fighting, and I believe the ranger. The ranger, yeah, well. I believe that as well. So now, now it's part of the bard. Exactly. Uh, and then, basically, the College of Swords lets you use your bardic inspiration dice in ways that uh, let you do certain maneuvers. Are they kind of like they're like kind of like combat superiority maneuvers, right? Yeah, the, the, or what are they? They're actually more like uh, floor, uh, a separate thing. They're called yeah. flourishes, and they are bonus actions, I believe. Uh, yeah, and you use your bardic inspiration instead of the superiority die, but it's basically the same idea. Mm. It's basically the same idea. You roll a dice. You roll a dice. You add that to the thing, and then but. Uh, at third level, you learn three types of flourishes. Uh, yeah. The first one is the defensive flourish, and that's uh, whenever you uh, whenever you uh, make an attack. Well, yeah, you as a bonus action, you expend the use of bardic inspiration, and you add that to your AC until your next turn. So basically, you're kind of like swinging your swords around, I guess. Right. As a bonus action to kind of like create a wall of swords to defend yourself, that right. kind of thing. Um, so this is whenever you make an attack, whether you hit or miss, and it's but it's got to be with a uh, dagger, a longsword, a scimitar, sword, sword, or a rapier. Basically, all the finesse weapons, light and finesse weapons that you can choose from. So yeah, so you make the attack action, and then you spend your bonus action on one of these flourishes. Yeah, the first one is you add your uh, bardic inspiration to your AC until the start of your next turn. And the second one is more about knife throwing. I believe it's like if you throw daggers, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then uh, you roll your bardic inspiration dice, and you apply it. You apply it as a bonus to the next range attack roll you make with a dagger. so um, Which could be in the same uh, turn? Yeah. I think. Um, if you use this first as a bonus action... And then use your attacks after, I think that would be how you would have to do it. Right. It seems... it's like I said, this is an adventure league legal because they haven't really thought all of these things through. Right. This might be one of the things that they they didn't think through completely. But basically, it says when you take the attack action, you do this as a bonus action after the attack. But this is saying this turn you spend this bonus action on your next attack gets a bonus based on your bardic inspiration dice. Right. So it's a little different, but I think how it would work is you spend your bonus action to get the bonus and then you attack. Yeah. Because the other way is you're setting up for the next round, which is kind of counterintuitive. And it's only a bonus on a ranged attack roll with a dagger. Right. So, just remember that. Uh, The last one is the unnerving flourish. And that's when when you've basically dealt enough damage to kill someone, you can choose to... To leave them with one health. Right. And they're afraid of you... 
for like quite some time afterwards. Equal to your charisma modifier. A number of minutes equal to your charisma modifier. Right. So like between one and five minutes. Probably between three and five minutes. Right. They also must make a charisma save um, versus a DC equaling your spellcasting bonus. So basically, plus the role of your bardic inspiration. Yeah. So it's if your DC is thirteen, then you add whatever your bardic inspiration dice was, and it, it becomes that. And if they fail, they must answer any question that you have truthfully. So this is like uh, you've come across like a, a group of thieves or bandits, but you don't know where their leader is. You've you've uh, basically killed everyone else. You leave one person alive, and yeah, you and you unnerve them with this unnerving flourish to get information. Yeah, and you get the information basically automatically. Yeah, and so the other two things that um, College of Swords gets is the exact same thing as the College of Valor Bard. So right. you get the extra attack, so you can attack twice in the same round at 6th level, and then you get Battle Magic at 14, which lets you use a bonus action to cast a spell after taking the attack action. Right. So um, let's go into the College of Satire. College of Satire. Satire brings up Tumbling, which was really big in past editions. And yeah. Tumbling uh, is pretty cool. Uh, basically, so, like using your acrobatics to evade. Basically, right. You get a you get to tumble as a bonus action when you take the satire. You're able to tumble, and tumbling is actually pretty cool. It allows you to do a number of things. Yeah, you're able uh, tumbling. It allows you to so uh, tumbling allows you to get the benefits of taking the dash and disengage actions at so, the same time. So if you take one of those actions, you actually do both of those actions. Exactly. Then you also, whenever you climb, your climbing speed is equal to your current speed instead yeah. of half of it. Right, it's usually halved. And then you also take half damage from falling. So that's so great. So if you could just be climbing around and falling over on things <laughs> and not really caring, and it's called tumbling fool is what it is, and you basically are going to be like that. And um, also, it's like the College of Lore where you get three proficiencies right off the bat. You get uh, proficiency with thieves tools. Sleight of hand, and then one other skill of your choice, as soon as you choose the College of Satire. So then, uh, you also get two new things at 6th and 14th level. So 6th level, you can um, cast Detect Thoughts up to a number of times equal to your Charisma per day, right? Per long rest. Yeah. yeah. So Detect Thoughts is nice. Um, yeah, you get to like basically know what they're thinking, their surface thoughts. Like, if someone is trying to withhold a knowledge of where their uh, leader is, you know, you'll be able to like get pry, it from their brain, yeah, pry into their minds, and and you can use this up to your charisma modifier per day. So, like, if you have a four or five, then it's four or five times a day. Right, it's actually so, quite a bit. Like the role, the role playing fluff. What they have written is your ability to gather stories and lore. Gains a supernatural edge. Yeah, it's just, called Fool's Insight. Yeah. And it, it's pretty cool. I mean, you get detect thoughts uh, naturally, or you have access to it naturally. But this allows you to have it without, uh, you know, wasting a spell. Yeah. And then 14th level, so the capstone for the this specific college, is uh, you expend a bardic inspiration after you fail an ability check. Fail a saving throw or miss with an attack roll. Then you roll the Bardic Inspiration die and add the number to the 
to the roll and and you use the new result. So basically, it's the same exact capstone as the College of Lore, where you could re-roll an ability check after you've already failed it. But you can also do it on attack rolls and saves too. The downside is yeah, yeah. that they you're supposed to keep track of what number you rolled on the Bardic Inspiration dice. Exactly. And the DM later in the session can use that number to subtract it from anything he decides. Yeah. So basically you have a spurt of good luck and then you get a spurt of bad luck later. Yeah, karma. So honestly, it's not that great of capstone because yeah. unless your DM's really nice and decides to use it on like stupid things like hmm. perception checks that don't matter and stuff yeah. like that. But um, it could be really harmful to you if your DM's mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. It makes you fail to save on polymorph or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's uh, that's that for the Arnith Arcana stuff. I... Yeah, and that's that. Pretty much that for the bard. Pretty right? much, um, just the one last thing that we could probably talk about is um, if uh, we were building a bard from the ground up. Mm-hmm. We've already talked that we would focus mainly on charisma first, charisma dexterity first. next. Mm-hmm. What race would we choose? Because there are some comp- complementary races that would go well with the bard. So anything that busts charisma. Um, cool, dragonborn. Is uh, Tiefling? Does Tiefling? Tiefling does buff charisma. Yes. Yeah, so, Tiefling is and great. Dex, right? Is it correct. Dex and um, or is that is the alternate? That's rules? the variant. That's the variant. You get the Dex buff. I believe it's intelligence. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, let's think about this. I think half elves get to pick a plus two. To whatever anything. they want. Same yeah. with humans. I mean, I probably pick a human variant just because I think human variants are pretty overpowered. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> you get that feat from first level. Yeah, and, you and if you're really allowed do to do it, you should do it unless there's like a specific race that you really want to play for some reason. Yeah, half-elves um, get charisma plus two right off the bat, and then choose two others to boost by one. Yeah, so half-elves are actually really good because you get charisma and then two other ability bonuses. Yeah. Plus, like, some cool half-elf stuff. Yeah, you get, like, the elf bonuses that you would get mixed with, like, some of half human stuff yeah alright so uh, half elves tieflings dragonborn if you're going strength um, and halflings and halflings yeah all good classes also the human variant is great Um, so yeah Um, focus on dex and charisma maybe constitution as your other like third tertiary stat you know the third one you want to focus on constitution for those concentration checks exactly so um and resilience yeah so next week we should be doing a a rules session one that's talking about obscure rules like grappling and concentration checks and stuff like that maybe swimming and like holding breath and a bunch of different things we're just going to look into all the crazy rules that you probably haven't really played with in a session very well or maybe you have um we're just gonna go through it all and see what we can see Yep, that's uh, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, all right, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to like us and subscribe to us. Uh, and also leave any comments in the uh, box below. Uh, right. Let us know what you like to hear next time. Uh, this has been Nate and Justin Beals, and uh, this has been D&D's Nuts.